Hey everyone, it's Kevin again, and this is the eighth episode of the Not A Classroom podcast, and today I think this is going to be a little bit more informal. I have just kind of recently finished up some creative projects, and I was thinking about some of the questions from the last episode, and I thought it might be a good time to do maybe a solo episode and me to just kind of talk about a few different things. So I kind of want to dive a little bit more into my creative journey in this episode and also talk about some of my inspirations and sort of, I guess, why a little bit about why I'm doing this and just, yeah, so I guess I can just hop right into it. And I think in the last episode with Noah, I talked about, or we talked about different methods to getting yourself to be creative and understanding your motivations and if, as many of you might know, I recently just kind of finished a bigger film project. I've never really done something of that scale before. I've made videos at various times in my life, and they all tend to be kind of shorter in length, maybe more comedic, but the in, in some ways I haven't really been happy with a lot of the things that I've scripted out, and so this one I kind of took that to a broader scale, taking inspiration from different people, and I decided to improv a lot of things or just take some basic ideas and try to turn it into something bigger. And yeah, I I think there are a lot of insights that I got out of that. I don't want to dive too into the specifics, but I guess one of the big things about my creative journey from that was just of course, I guess appreciating the journey was kind of one of the biggest things. I I've had I feel like I have this pattern where I just a lot of the time when I start working on a bigger project like that or in really any realm, a lot of the time the end product is not actually the thing that makes me feel the happiest. It's the process of getting there and we've all heard this a thousand times, but I think that that can be something important for understanding your motivations behind creating and I just think that yeah understanding your motivations behind creating is an important piece for establishing a pattern if you want to make creativity an important part of your life because I think I have gone through parts in my life where I just I was making things for the wrong reasons whether that was to try to achieve some sort of fame, get into a different industry, or I had a dream in my head that maybe didn't line up with reality. And I think that's where you can get lost in sort of slogging through the day-to-day bits instead of enjoying what it is that you're actually doing. And yeah, I, I guess I, when I was in college, I was spending some time in this digital communications program and There were a lot of really cool things, a lot of great people, especially in the volunteer scene at my school, but the, it was a little bit hard because I actually found that I was making less of my own stuff outside of class. I don't know if that was my creative energy being drained or if it was something else going on, but I, I think that there's definitely something to be said about giving yourself the space to work on things instead of at least in that context I was spending so much time having to follow the rules of what was presented to me in a class when previously I had done better sort of making my own rules and 
I think in a way there's there's some positives to being in those classroom environments, which kind of takes me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is motivation. I think in a creative environment like that, you obviously make good connections with people to work on stuff. It was that could have been part of it as well as that I was in this during the pandemic when everything was online. So I wasn't necessarily getting those kinds of connections with people that I wanted. But I think what those classes do well for you is it almost it like forces you to work on things, which if you're really struggling to get yourself to do stuff, it can be a really great resource for that. And it can give you ideas. It's it's like getting a writing prompt. Like when I first took my my intro to fiction writing class, it was you would get a writing prompt like weekly to work on. And I found those weirdly fun, especially considering that that was like my first time writing for real, at least in the context of like trying to create a story. And those writing prompts actually kind of can lay the foundation for something a lot bigger. I think a lot of people actually did take those somewhere else and the to their larger stories, but that that is a motivating factor in the fact in that it just gets you to do things but to me when it comes to motivation i i can't remember who said this exactly i i want to say it was jonah hill because i got really into his movie um mid 90s which is a great movie you should check it out if you have the opportunity it's a it's a little dark it was more dark the last time i watched it i didn't necessarily remember it being so dark but there's some beautiful moments in there it's like kind of a coming of age story that's rough around the edges but the I think he he was the one who said that motivation is a privilege I could be wrong on that but I know someone said that quote at some point and I I have felt that very very directly I think motivation being a like it's it's uh, this feeling that I get when I'm finished watching a movie and I want to write an article about it. I can feel that in my head, like my thoughts are just spinning in circles, like some sort of roller coaster. And just, I, if I'm, I'm like, if I don't do this right now, the odds of me actually doing it is so much lower. And I think it's like, it's like an action potential in whatever field of ology or whatever it comes from. I think it's psych, probably some other things as well, but that getting yourself to capitalize on that action, I think, can be very helpful to getting yourself to just create more. And I think some part of that is realizing that if you have that motivation, that's that's a barrier that has already come down to accessing your creative mind. And I think that if you can think about it that way, it sometimes helps. Not that I'm saying that every time this happens, I'm able to do that, uh, get up and write that article, but it does it does help to think about it that way sometimes for me. So I think it's it's worth giving a shot. But when you, when you think of motivation as a privilege, I think it sometimes depends on why you want to be creative. And we talked about this a lot in the last episode, but one way that I've thought about my creativity, especially in writing, which is something I've gone through periods of trying to do it every day, and then I take breaks, but it's 
sometimes to me about maximizing flow, I really, I really need to get around to that psychology book so that I can talk about it on here. But there's a apparently a really great psychology book about flow and just what it is being in a flow state. And it's, it's an interesting thing to feel when you're in that spot and just your ideas are just coming out onto the page. I, I'm not sure there's really anything like that when you, at least for me, when I sit down for like three hours and I just crank out an entire short story, that's a lot of the times I feel like that's my best work. Um, but that doesn't happen every day. And that's, uh, unfortunate, but, um, it's, it does feel like if that could happen every day, it would be really crazy. But I think for me, a lot of the time, the more that I write, the frequency that that happens goes up, or at least I hit those days where it's going to happen more. And so in a sense, finding that flow state requires persistence or luck. And I don't really like relying on luck to be creative in that, in that sense. I, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, but the um, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just like I said, it depends on why you want to be creative and what your intention is, I suppose. And I do think there's something to be said as well about breaking routine. My my dad used to tell me this story about, I think there was a guy who decided to go bike packing from like north, somewhere in North America to like the southern tip of South America. And it just, his, I think it, I think it was that story where he was talking about just breaking your routine down to like nothing, like the how how going from daily life into just this massive trip and everything is out of the ordinary how helpful that can be and i i as much as i think i excel as a routine like person there's totally something to be said about switching to that other method i would i would imagine the i think if you get stuck in a routine sometimes your work can get a little bit monotonous you maybe you can also lose the joy or like I said, kind of the original reason why you're doing these things. And I think that's almost more harmful to your work. It's important to stay connected to that. But I think at the end of the day, some part of creativity for me is also just remembering to take small steps. There's, I like um, writing if I am trying to write every day, I usually set like a minimum goal. Like I have to do this much. And it's, I try to make that very accessible because that's the, if you make that accessible, that's the barrier to entry that is just a lot. Like instead of trying to climb over a 10 foot wall, you have to like step over a beam. It's not, it makes it a lot less complicated. And what I find is that a lot of the time, if I get over that little hurdle, I end up doing a lot more. If I set a goal of writing 250 words a day, rarely do I ever only write 250 words. It's about, for me, getting into that state of mind. And some days I'm going to get there and other days I'm not. I do think if you can ratchet that up over time, it might for me at least, increase the chances of entering that flow state because sometimes it takes 500 words or a thousand words or an hour, five minutes. It's 
it's really hard to say, but in the grand scheme of things, to add on to that, for me, it's important to also think about an end goal. Not everybody is goal-oriented. I think I am somewhat, as much as I say that the end product is not always what makes me the happiest, I do think I tend to do better having that there still. And so to me, it feels like it's important to, I guess, have a direction to move in. I think it helps make things feel more thematic and purposeful. But, you know, sometimes you don't have to do that, though. It's also there's different stages of being creative. Being in the preliminary area is not a bad place to be. It's a, it's somewhere that allows you to open up your mind to different ideas. And I think a lot of the time that is kind of the harder thing to get going. But I, I think there's a few... I guess we can keep talking about it in terms of barriers, but getting started is probably where most people are going to stop. It's where for a while when I started being creative, I was like, oh, I don't have a problem with this. And then I realized it's, it snuck up on me. I do have a problem with that just like everybody else. And it's about finding that those bursts of energy. And like your, if you think of your creativity as like a wave function, you're going to have days where you're up above your baseline and days where you're below. And I think if you hit those days where you're above the baseline, you can you can sometimes sort of shift the wave function up like plus 0.2 or something and that the, you end up with this... I don't remember if that's how the functions work, but yeah. basically you you find ways to increase the number of time that you're above above the water. And to me, that's an important motivational thing. But at the end of the day, I don't mean to sound like a discipline, persistence, like gotta be like military stuck in your creative way. No, it's like you, you can't, you gotta be careful not to get burnt out too. I, I have to watch that a lot. It's It's a complicated process and I think Getting there's a few things involved there. Getting burnt out and trying not to be too hard on yourself. It's like meditating. Meditating can be great for you. I think there's plenty of scientific research out there now that says that meditating can have actual significant health benefits. But I I don't think that being down on yourself for missing a day of meditation is a good idea. <laughs> Generally, it's it probably it happens to me. Um, maybe, maybe more than I actually meditate, but the, it definitely, it's something to keep in mind. And I think with being creative, you have to be patient with yourself, but also try to appreciate what you're able to do. And I think that goes for anything. I guess in some context, you could say that almost any endeavor is creative, but even just with productivity in general I think giving yourself the credit of I did this today or I did this in the last week or month or year sometimes having those reflection periods can be just as important as actually doing things if anything it might even get you to look back at what you've done and that can sometimes be the inspiration that you need but 
one of the questions from the last episode that stuck with me is how do I create things with as much self-doubt as I have? And it's a hard question for me to answer. I've been thinking about it a lot. Sometimes my self-doubt actually informs why I'm creating. It informs what I'm creating. If I'm writing a piece, that finds its way in a lot of the time. I Some, some of my characters are authentic. Some of them are not super authentic to me. It's more of a projection of some set of traits that I'm thinking about, but that self-doubt will often find its way into at least some character. There's got to, I think I am, I like to imbue myself into writing and creative work, but maybe not to the fullest extent sometimes, but in my, some of my projects, I have also put a lot of myself into it. But when it comes to self-doubt, I think an helpful element is understanding that creativity is a flow. I, I talk, talked about this already somewhat, but sometimes you're just going to be on it and you're writing every day. You're super motivated. You're getting the flow state that you want. And then other times you're just off. You're going to have days that don't quite work out. And maybe not everyone's like that. There, there's, I mean, there's a good talk between Stephen King and George R. R. Martin and Stephen King or George R. R. Martin basically asks like, how the hell do you write so much stuff? And they're joking about Stephen King writing a book in three months and George R. R. Martin's happy if he writes like a chapter or two chapters or something. And it's everybody's different, but there's always some value to be had in your work, even if that value is only coming to you. And I just think that having that you can create with self-doubt in the background it's it's a journey that you have to go on like for me as an artist i guess i i guess i would call myself an artist the it's hard to say that sometimes thinking back on how long it took me to get through that barrier but my creative journey i don't really think began a ton until I started working on or understanding different things that inspired me, such as films and certain video games and books. And I, when I started reading more, maybe not reading as much as I'd like, but it, it, it took time to get, get through that wall of considering myself a creative person. But in some ways, I think I am a very productive person, and I built that up through maybe other habits, and that just hopefully, I was, I guess in some ways that translated in, but sometimes I, I, I think I spent too much time wondering who I was as an artist, how I was going to differentiate myself, like I, I was, I'm a big math person, how am I going to incorporate that and show that as an artist that I am meticulous and organized and just I mean who who the fuck cares <laughs> like it's it's um it at some point it feels really like only I was the only one who cared about that 
and I cared about it way more than I should have because at the end of the day, it's just so much more valuable to just make things. And at least to me, it was so much more valuable to just try and make things and see how that shaped me. And I think part of self-doubt to me is a lingering feeling that I need some sort of external validation for my work. And I, I've talked about this multiple times, just how I'm trying to fight that off as much as I can. And I think that's, in some ways that's good, in some ways that's probably always going to be there, but I don't dwell on it nearly as much as I used to. There was a period of time where I my mind got super ambitious on filmmaking and all these things, but in getting super ambitious in filmmaking, I wrapped myself up so tightly into a box of what I would have to do to become maybe not famous, but in some ways famous, a pushing for being this top-notch artist that I, I could make the perfect indie film and get exactly what I wanted onto the page and or onto the screen. And I, I put so much pressure on myself that that became the biggest barrier to my creativity was my own desire to be creative. And that, I don't know if that came out of feeling like I wasn't a creative person for so long. I, maybe I felt like I was making up for something, but to me, it seems like everyone has their own journey in being creative. You can be creative as an engineer and struggle with the same things that you have. I have friends who talk about having this list of ideas that they want to work on. I have multiple friends that do that. And it's, that is to me, probably no less difficult than sitting down at a computer and writing, probably more difficult because you need materials. Think about the money. Writing is nice because you can just sit down with a pencil or your computer and not that it's easy, but it's, it's accessible, I suppose. But yeah, it, getting yourself off the ground is when you have that doubt, when you have so many things creeping into the back of your head about Ah, I can't do this right now. I don't have the time. It's 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 better to me to let those if you can kind of let those things sort of I always think about um in meditation and things like a leaf on the water floating down the river. If you can kind of just collect a pile of leaves and let them float down the river and then just for uh, my garbage metaphor, build a bridge over the top and walk to the creative side, I guess. If if you can... I think a way that that works for me sometimes is setting, like I said, setting that bare minimum that you can break through. And that could be, I'm going to do something creative for five minutes every day. And I, I from what I've heard and experienced tend to find that if you set a five-minute goal, over time it becomes a 10-minute goal, a 20, 30, an hour, and you start working on something bigger. And I don't mean to sound like a motivational speaker right now. I This is just strategies that have worked for me. 
and I don't expect these to work for everyone. Um, but I'm hoping I can give some sort of insight on how to create with at least the pieces of the mindset that I have. And yeah. So I think sort of the last element for me that I want to talk about with this is engaging with art or your passion or whatever it is that is motivating you to do your projects. I That could be if you're a computer scientist, that could be watching people make st like stupid robot projects on YouTube. And if that gets you to make a stupid robot project, that's awesome. And engaging with that inspiration, I really, I think is a really important first step. I don't know that I would even be where I am on what I consider my no no fame unknown creative journey I don't think I would be here if it weren't for spending really years just engaging with things that interested me and not I mean I did worry about creating stuff but not necessarily putting too much pressure on yourself just trying to get your mind open to the possibilities and that's kind of where I want to dive into some of my inspirations because I think that hopefully that'll be interesting um, with movies and um, video games. I think video games is probably a little bit more of a complex topic, but so I'll start off with movies, but yeah, we'll get to that later. But one of the things that a lot of my friends probably know is that I like to watch a lot of sad movies, which is not an uncommon thing, but it's maybe a little odd. I I don't know if I'm a masochist in that sense, but the um, why I watch sad movies, I think, is an important topic to me. And a lot of it comes down to maybe it's how I grew up watching a lot of movies, but the there's something about watching a sad movie that to me is just very thought provoking and it can it can end however it could be happy it could be when I say sad it doesn't that mean like to walk away and have a week to recover from it it doesn't have to be Manchester by the sea or um Banshees of Inisherin it can be something what, what's a comic it could be Forrest Gump has sad moments in it but it's not I wouldn't necessarily call it a I mean I could call it a sad movie it's but movies that I guess are emotionally charged and I think these types of films tend to be more thought-provoking to me. They, For me, it's important to be introspective. I think introspection is valuable in terms of empathy and emotional intelligence. And movies get me to engage with empathy in ways that I might not be able to see in my regular life. And one, I think that motivates my creativity. It's helps my inspiration and two that you get a very for me I get a very unique feeling after a film that gets me to think introspectively when I when I, I I've had movies or I, I like to journal about my thoughts and I've had movies where I get frustrated with myself for pausing it so many times because I want to write so many things down that are coming to my head and but there's a brief, it, it, well, okay, sometimes it's longer, but 
a lot of the times there's a very fleeting feeling after a film that it's almost to me like being in that flow state of creativity but th these are the kind of things where I'm I I want to just enjoy this moment but I'm also like ah but I could write all this down in an article and a movie that connects with me like that that's that's a hard feeling to capture in a lot of other places and I wish I could get more people to enjoy that um, or to, to see that but the um and I don't no, I actually think it's a really interesting topic in itself is how people enjoy films differently. And if people want to watch movies to relax, I have zero problem with that. The, I, I actually totally understand a lot of people not wanting to watch the films that I watch because they are in some ways challenging. Um, not that I don't think people don't like to challenge themselves. I think I don't like to be challenged in certain ways, but I have to push myself against that and it's the same for people with movies they don't maybe want to force themselves through a harrowing experience not that most movies are that difficult to watch but in that sense but that that feeling after to me is quite valuable for how it can feed into my other creative projects and also how it can engage, get me to engage with people in my life. If I see how people are communicating poorly in a movie, maybe I realize that I am doing that or vice versa. Somebody is like, ask somebody like, how are you doing? Or they say, I appreciate you. The I had a moment where I, I can't remember who it was in my high school, but there was a teacher who said something you everybody doesn't hear enough is the phrase I appreciate you and that's in in some ways a difficult phrase to say it's it's not it's not I love you but it's a it's it's a heavy thing to think like you you're saying I mean it's it's a very nice thing to say I think you should say it genuinely but having saying that to someone is to me a very a very deep thing because you just that's a that's another human being, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but it's... Sometimes you get those moments in a movie where you see something like that and you're like, wow, I really... I, I should say that to this person or I need to say that to this person or or even patting yourself on the back. like you You're like, wow, I actually did that. And I hope that they felt better because of... That person felt better because of that. But I, I think on the topic of movies in general, the ones that I tend to like the most are the ones that connect with me emotionally. Um, there are others that find their way in there through various means, but when when a movie connects with me emotionally, there's just so much to get out of it. And I guess some some recent ones that I think have done that for me were Joel Haver's uh, on YouTube, it's free, um, called We Have to Leave Here Together. It's a short, like, hour long not short but it's about an hour maybe hour 10 but it's a really intense of story in this confined space and he makes it all by himself and it's I thought it was really really well done but that one hit me coming back from what I felt like was my movie passion sort of had trailed off a little bit and I I have to find my way back and I'm sure that happens to everybody who's 
painting or engaging with visual art or wants to make more contraptions with their mechanical engineering skills is you you, you got to claw your way back sometimes it's that, that ebb and flow of creativity and that one sort of brought me back to my movie passion a little bit and then pretty quickly after i watched uh before sunrise i was like holy shit okay it's been a long time since i've had this feeling again and that's there's something to be said about like I the way I would describe it is just I mean I think I cried I felt just this immense joy at watching these people talk to each other and recalling conversations that I've had that are along the same lines and thinking of conversations that I want to have with people or ones that I want to write and I think it to me in that one it was so dialogue and driven between these two characters that just reminds me how much I appreciate being around people and being I meant to mention that earlier but being around people is just also such a great inspiration for creativity I I I managed to get to Europe after I graduated for seven weeks and I think if I walked away with one lesson that was probably the biggest one was that I just love talking to people and if you talk to anyone for long enough some they they pretty much always have something valuable to say and something you can learn from them and that was that was such a great feeling to walk away with from that journey and before sunrise and then briefly after I watched before sunset and I still have to watch the third movie in the trilogy the those those films I think give you some sort of hope for humanity but also they just they just make you feel so like it's like an emotional roller coaster that I don't know if it's a I wouldn't say it's like conditioning for life but it's it's in a way happy sad is kind of how I would describe it there's a another movie I want to talk about that does literally says that in it and then they listen to a song by The Cure can't remember which one it was but a really good moment but the um yeah i when i get into this headspace of being i can feel that headspace of being inspired and taking those emotional connections and building something off of it and creativity is just another great way to keep moving forward on your journey and but now i've probably said enough about creativity and hopefully I probably I, I I want to keep moving forward, so I and I felt like I wanted to talk a little bit more about my passions and outside of kind of my degree and stuff, and that's uh, movies and video games again. So I'm just gonna start throwing out some movies for people to watch and kind of why I like them. So if you're interested in that, but yeah, so. And tend, these tend to be movies that have emotionally connected with me. And I think Beginners is a film that is not well known. Um, it's by a director called Mike Mills that I think people should definitely check out. There's a film called 20th Century Women that's also made by him. And another one called Come On, Come On. I think both of those are great. If you've, I, I want to say if people have seen Lady Bird, I think that's a little bit more popular. That's, 
if you like that movie, you might like these movies as well. He he does tend to work with Greta Gerwig on occasion, but beginners in general, though, it just I think sort of like before sunset, before sunrise, it 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 shows the power of being open to someone and letting your mind just wander. It's another love story, but it's complicated because it's mixing grief and love at the same time. There's a really interesting dynamic between the main character and his father, who's his mom died, and then his father, I think in his 70s, comes out as gay. And so he's just, there's a lot for him to process, and it's it's just an amazing film that I definitely recommend checking out. I I always, whenever there's a movie that, um, the movies that I love the most, I will, I just pattern that I don't know if it's weird but I will just I'll watch it and then I'll just throw it on again like the next day and I'll just watch it again and I don't know if that detracts from the experience but in a lot of ways I do think it adds when a movie is good enough that I just want to see it again even if I just get a diminished percentage of that feeling back that's that's still means a lot for me and some of the movies that one of the movies that inspired me uh just from the beginning to love movies more so might sound a little weird compared to the soft love story but i really liked reservoir dogs i i feel like i had this weird pattern of maybe not paying enough attention in a film and i maybe just didn't kind of catch some of the finer details of that film not even the finer details some of the macro details of that movie and just how the character dynamics were working out but that plus another movie called Heat. Um, I think Heat has, this might not be an emotional connection, but I think it has the best heist scene, in my opinion, or at least the getaway scene is insanely cool. And the, the area in downtown LA is just like wildly perfect setup for this uh, running away from the police and stuff. But there, there's something in those movies that you... Watching a character self-sabotage is, in some sense, it, it may be not relatable, but you're, you're, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say relatable. It's more that watching a character self-sabotage is just like watching a tragedy play out in a slow burn because the, you're, you see them and that you're like, you know what the problem is here. You know, you shouldn't make that decision, but you're going to do it anyway. And then it all culminates in this final moment. And you're just, you're like, oh and you, have to, you you know that it's going to happen the whole time, but I think there's something powerful about that in Heat and Reservoir Dogs, and you you it really it very obviously points out some direct character traits that can create problems for people in real life, but it, it's it really hits you in the gut when you see somebody kind of screw up like that, and I think Heat and Reservoir Dogs do a great job of that while also just being super compelling stories and the next movies that is uh, that i want to talk about were both from wes anderson there's moonrise kingdom and the royal tenenbaums uh, moonrise kingdom is probably a little better known because i think it was on netflix for like forever for a little while but the royal tenenbaums is maybe not so much and what Wes Anderson does is obviously anybody who's seen a Wes Anderson film is he's got a very distinct style and he uses that to his advantage to make these wacky characters, but then also in some ways normalize their behavior in 
in some that I think is just it's all feels very dysfunctional but then it also fits because of the stylistic like color choices that he makes and one of the things that with him that I think is really interesting is the way that he tends to subvert traditional relationships with particularly with parents and children a lot of the time the parents are the people who are more immature versus the children are actually much more wise and that that is always an interesting perspective i think as you get older as well to it maybe points out some of the wisdom you can see in children i think mike mills does the same thing where uh come on come on is great example of like you see this kid who is just wonderful child actor i can't remember his name but the just does such a great job at he he asks the most intense questions you could imagine and you're like watching this guy as an adult you're like i would have no idea how i would answer that and it's almost it, it makes you feel your heart drops a little bit watching it but wes anderson is a great place to go if you want some experimental filmmaking or semi-experimental least in style but also just some interesting characters that i think can be both incredibly fun and quirky but also pretty heavy at times but it, it, he does a good job of dampening things with comedy but not taking away at the same time and a, a movie that is tends to be a lot heavier than what wes anderson is going for is boyhood um it's another link later film like the before trilogy but i should have a video coming out about that on my youtube channel soon so i don't think i want to dive too much into that so it, Another coming-of-age film is Sing Street that unfortunately was just taken off of Netflix like a month ago or something. But Sing Street is a really interesting story. Where That's the one where I referenced it earlier. The I'll have to come back to that. But the, in Sing Street, it's this kid who starts a band and you. I think there is a really interesting dynamic in it where you're listening to their music get better as the movie goes on they start off and you're watching this first song you're like Ooh, this is bad <laughs> and he's he's sort of trying to get this girl that um is probably well out of his league and things are really complicated his family life isn't going super well but oh yeah it's the it's the movie that is happy sad the movie itself is definitely very happy sad it's a great combination of comedy and drama but at the same time, that progression of seeing the music get better, seeing this person grow up and be confused with a lot of the decisions they make, but then sticking strongly to the decisions they make as well, it gives you this, you're really rooting for this this kid. And I think that's a fun feeling. It's like you're watching uh, a much more toned down version of like Rudy or something where the big amateur football guy comes in but anyways if you haven't seen rudy rudy's pretty fun but the sing street is a great film arguably my favorite film from i think 2016 when we had like mahala land moonlight like a ton of incredible movies but it didn't see any oscar attention i think but great music it's it's wonderful i highly recommend checking it out and yeah the the next one is blade runner 2049 i actually rewatched. The original Blade Runner again probably a year ago or something and I really enjoyed that again but 2049 
for some reason has always connected with me more. I think it's probably somewhat related to the visuals with Roger Deakins as the cinematographer and Denny Villeneuve. I must have just given him a ton of space to work. The, there's some pictures in this movie where it's, we always say a picture is worth a thousand words and these ones feel like 10,000. They're just, the color, the, the Ryan Gosling is insanely good in this film. And there's, I think it was just a lot of space must have been given to him to seize those moments of silence and really show the, the agony of this protagonist. And I, I'm an enjoyer of Philip K. Dick books. He wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is what Blade Runner is based off of. And there's a lot about what it means to be human. And you you feel this protagonist questioning that deeply within themselves. And even though I there, there's a really great dynamic that I learned in the a really good film class that I took in college that genre films a lot of the time are used to talk about things that are not um, what that genre is like the western in the old days the western is what you would use to talk about societal problems when you couldn't directly talk about societal problems in your movie and that's I think to some extent still used in sci-fi and the western and in Blade Runner I definitely think it comes up and talking about Blade Runner is largely about just certain aspects of society and economic systems. And it can be very dark, but you also Blade Runner 2049 succeeds in staying connected to the original story, but also branching off with a new protagonist that I actually kind of felt for more at the end of the day. And there's just, there's one moment where you just, it, the protagonist gets told what he's feeling essentially and you're like oh god it it's brutal for because you, you, you're at least for me i was on the same page as the protagonist and you find out there's this flip in the story and you're like oh wow that's that hurts for some for for some reason it's just it, it a lot of it's about purpose but anyways the i'll, I'll move on to the next one but so two directors that I like if you want to check out I don't know if the posts hold up a ton anymore but on my medium I wrote about Akira Kurosawa and Sergio Leone it's funny because um I believe that Kurosawa actually sued Sergio Leone at one point for basically copying one of his stories um the I believe a fistful of dollars they call them Sergio Leone they call them spaghetti westerns because he was Italian. They would go make the... They didn't actually make some of the movies in Italy. I think a lot of them were made in Spain. But the spaghetti westerns, to me, tend to be my favorite western films. And they both have a very distinct visual style. But uh, maybe maybe not the most emotionally connected films for me. But sometimes <laughs> the, the movie is just done so well that I, I can't look away. The visual and the visual storytelling is just beyond. It, it feels beyond what, what <laughs> I don't want to say what I'm ever capable of, but it's it's incredible to see what they're able to do. Like the if the good, the bad, and the ugly is probably the classic 
Leone film that most people have heard of, but there's also Once Upon a Time in the West. There, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly has this scene near the end where you get these huge, wide-spanning shots to see the emptiness of the world around them when they're in this... Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> I mean, it's old. They're in this cemetery, and they just pull back away, but then you, you contrast that with shots of people, just their eyes, and it builds this along with the incredible music by I think it's Ennio Morricone that you just get there's a sense of significance that is driven by the shot placement the the choice of shots and the music building behind them and you're spending five minutes and people move like maybe a few inches like it's not I, I don't know how they're... I think that's what really does it for me with Leone is just capturing... Uh, you know, when you're in elementary school, the teacher or some or whatever age, a uh, writer will be, or teacher will tell you to write in seconds. Think of seconds and expand out that into something much more. And that's it's going to be a lot more interesting than just writing an hour-long story on a page. And it, if you can take those moments and build something out of it, that's... In some ways, maybe the, the thing to get out of that is learning to appreciate the subtle moments in life, but I don't want to dive, dig too much into the themes there. I think sometimes, like I said, it's just the movie is just done so well. And Seven Samurai is another great example from Kurosawa. That's his probably classic film. And it's, it's what, like 1950s, 60s? That movie holds up better than, to me, most action movies today. He did this crazy thing where what he would do is he would... Apparently, Kurosawa was a really great editor. And he would edit the films as the days would go by, which isn't super common. Maybe not common at all these days. But he would. what he would do is he would take a bunch of cameras and he would set up... I, I can't remember the name for it, but basically uh, like some sort of photo-like lens where it's... Or tele, I think it was telephoto lens where you would just get these super close-up shots but then you'd also have wide angles and like narrower angles that were closer on different actors and using those those long-range telephoto lenses if i'm using the right word you, you could get these shots of like horses hooves uh smashing into the mud from long ways away but then you have your wide shot and what that allowed was the choreography of the actors they didn't have to worry about which way they were facing and the action holds up because the battle that happens in that film is just the, it, everything is so natural because it's just the actors just do what they're supposed to do for that scene. They're not worried about anything else. It's it's almost like putting a play on a film, or like, and that it it just holds up so perfectly for the modern day, and it's so it's. It's like three, three and a half hours long. I remember, I think my English teacher in high school let me borrow it. And I went home one day and it was like five o'clock. And I was like, well, I'm just going to watch this movie. I had like off of sports practice or something. And I just sat down three and a half hours, cranked it out. And I was like, holy shit. That was like the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And it's, it doesn't feel that long. It's so much of that movie is even just action and that that was definitely Kurosawa is kind of an inspirational person. I think this idea applies to a lot of creative facets. But he was talking about 
in this interview, this he, he sort of inspired me to write more. And that was, he, he was like, I don't know why filmmakers don't write more. At least he was talking about young Japanese filmmakers and in his era. And he was like, if you, even if you sit down for a whole day and you have the worst writing day of your life, if you were there for eight hours, you will probably still have one to three pages of writing by the end of the day. And he's like, even if you did that for a month, you, you could have a whole movie by the end of the month. And that's, it's, it's, uh, I think that's a great concept of obviously any, maybe none of us have the time to do that, but that's what like the five minutes it's if you, if you can sit yourself down for five minutes a day, it'll probably turn into more time. And if you think long run, you could have something to look back or something to look at in a year or two years. And I think that is still worth it. I think it's probably, I I've, haven't looked up any studies on the mental health benefits of creativity, but I'm sure they're out there. And it seems like probably a good idea for most people. But anyways, back the the sort of the last movie I wanted to mention is, of course, I, The Godfather. It's probably cliche, but the the Godfather is just kind of crazy because it's. I've rewatched that I, probably at least four times now. Maybe the first three three four times. I'm sure I'll rewatch it a bunch more times. But that that film is every time I watch it, I find more subtle details. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see how that character looked at this character in this scene. And that informed the next thirty minutes of this film until they have this later encounter, and. That's what makes me think those are sort of the perfect film. Maybe it's not the most emotional for me, but the they're just jam-packed with all these details. And there's a there's a funny thing where um Mario Puzo, I think that's how you say it, he's the writer of the book that it's based off of, and I believe he helped adapt or just fully adapted the screenplay. And at some point he was like, oh, well, I guess I've we've got all these awards for The Godfather. Maybe I should read a book on how to write a screenplay for like now and I can do this more he opens up like the first book he buys and it's like it's telling him to look at the godfather for the example and he's like shit <laughs> like there's I if I'm the example what am I what am I supposed to do and I, I don't know I think that that was just a funny little detail to me but he the godfather that that issued in a, a new era of filmmaking there was the 60s were just a down like the, I think the film industry was sort of collapsing behind there were certain antitrust laws that had happened that were very I think in a lot of ways very justified the um there was a lot of beyond what we've seen in recent years a lot of other horrible things happening in the film industry but the um this that's when the golden era of filmmaking came in and those those films just reignited it and the, it's it is it's crazy to look back on those films and see how good they are and how much the film industry has changed. I'm maybe not always the happiest with where our industry is now, but I think um, if anybody is feeling jaded about movies, just look at the look at the indie market right now. It's it's crazy how how much great stuff is coming out. It's more than I can even keep up with. There's there's more old movies than I can keep up with. The amount of I, I have so many foreign films from Iranian cinema to Japanese cinema that I just haven't ever gotten to and I'm I, I need to but it's that's a, a tough dilemma to figure out it's like reading your your book reading list can get 
longer than you'll ever have time for. But there's a, there's a, I, I watched a good Joel Haver video about this recently. Just there's a beauty in understanding that like, this is the movie you chose and that, that it gives extra weight to the, it. You can look at the weight of choosing a movie in a more positive light in some ways, but yeah, that, so that's kind of my movie spiel, but the last ones I want to mention, there's just some other great recommendations. I think Lawrence of Arabia, I, I didn't expect to enjoy that as much as I did. I think there's a really cool, it's almost, to me, it was almost like two movies in one where you see somebody reaching the top of a mountain and then almost falling down the other side. It's, it's hard to watch, but it's, it's a great story. Um, Fruitvale Station. Oh my God. If you, if you're, if you're ready for, a, uh, to cry your eyes out, Fruitvale Station is a great one for that. Um, but it's, it's just, oh my God, I don't even know what to say. It's just, uh, I, I forget the area, but it's about, um, a black man who's shot by a police officer and it's just in it, it's a true story and you just get to know that you you see what happens at the beginning and then you get to know him throughout the day and you're just like oh my god this is so awful the but anyways garden state garden state is another kind of quaint little love story that is amazing it's my zach braffs i believe and natalie portman and it's just wonderful to watch, and I, I need to go rewatch it. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine is another drama comedy that is hard but f- hilarious and amazing. And Frances Ha, I mentioned Greta Gerwig earlier. Uh, Lady Bird, if you haven't seen it, uh, Frances Ha is not Greta Gerwig. It's Noah Baumbach, but she plays the lead. And Noah Baumbach is her partner, and they seem to have some great chemistry in their filmmaking. And I'm basically loving most of what they put out but at the end of the day uh, pretty much all these movies have been an inspiration to me and I think they just if you can find your passion the I'm trying not to be super preachy but like finding finding a passion not your like there obviously your passions can change but the I think finding pieces of work that are outside of your own stuff to inspire you are great. And that can be from other people as well. And I, 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 it's also important to remember you, you can take, you can pick and choose what you want from people. At least that's my opinion, but you don't have to do what they did. You don't have to live up to the same standard. I had very much let go of that on my film project and just try to do things. Just getting up and shooting some bit of video is like, if you can just do that, like a lot of the, t- at least from this experience, I felt like, wow, it turned out a lot better than I expected <laughs> um, from the beginning. And yeah, the, I'll hop into video games, the, an area that I think is a lot less well-known and to me, an underrated genre for making you feel things. And I think the power of video games in one sense is that it's, an area where you can do things that you can't do with other genres. And I'll get to that a bit later, but when there's a different feeling of watching something or reading something or versus playing through it. The and like like being creative, I don't think you have to be 
kid who drew all the time or was writing stories at age five to be a creative person. I think you could grow up loving master, I don't know, Excel, and you could, you don't have to be a certain type of person to enjoy games. Not that everyone will. I don't think nobody has to try anything, but the, it's, it's definitely just something I encourage if you have the time, the, I think there's a few games I could highlight that my, my girlfriend tells me she just wasn't even aware that games could like have stories for a long time. And it's crazy to me because now we're seeing the last of us show come out, which is heavily, it's, it's almost exactly the same as the game in a lot of ways. Um, and that was an incredible mainstream story success, arguably the greatest story to ever come out in, in, in video games. And it's, to me, the show is slowly becoming one of my, it's definitely one of my favorite shows and I'm, I'm loving it. I think just as you can get emotional things out of movies and TV shows and books, I think the games can do the same. I actually think I cried at a video game before I ever cried at a movie, which is just funny to me, but um, finishing a series that I'd been playing for years as a kid was intense in some ways. But another one, God of War, is it sounds so brutal. It sounds like Doom at the beginning. Doom is a kind of big, uh, intense shooter game. God of War sounds similar, but at least in the new upgraded later PS PlayStation generations, God of War is an incredible story about a, a man and his son and the things in their life tearing them apart and then them having to find their way back together. And it's, it's, it's very beautiful to watch and play through. And the classic game that and most everyone's heard of is like, if you ever want to feel like a kid again, I highly recommend going and playing Skyrim. <laughs> Skyrim is it's like you're given a playground to or like a playground fantasy world that like you could just go out into and be like i can do anything when it, like you've played games for years you're like ah oh, there's all these you might think like there's all these limitations and stuff but skyrim is just it, it's you're you're in another world that I, i've been joking with my friends about skyrim you have to be careful because you can be like ah oh, it's 10 o'clock i'll play like 30 minutes and then i'll go to bed and then you're like look at the clock and it's 2 a.m you're like oh shit (laughs) it time just it's like when you're a kid at least from my experience like playing like a war game or i don't know some fantasy star wars lightsaber bs that with your buddies and then you're like ah it's time for dinner you're outside just swinging your plastic sword around or whatever for a while and skyrim is like it's it's also a very solitude based game but that's funny. There's a town called Solitude in it. <laughs> the, um, it's it can take you through certain emotions and get you to feel different things, but it, it just opens up that exploration, and I love that. And the another great place to look is indie games. And when I talk about gaming as a genre, being able to do things that other th- things can't, um, one of the games that I think of is Before Your Eyes. I wrote an article about it on my Medium and. It's before your eyes is an intense emotional experience that I don't know that I would could ever think of something as comparable in a movie or a book where it's um, the way that the game works is it's you blink 
when you blink your memory at least at certain uh like you're you're in a memory and you see it play out and then this thing comes up on your screen and if you blink it skips to the next memory and it, it might sound kind of basic at first but if you think about that you're like watching this kid go through really intense you're playing as you're taken in as this kid because it's all in first person that's you're playing as them you make their decisions and then you you find these moments where like you're like i don't want to move on from this this is such a beautiful little section so you're like craning your eyes open trying to like make sure you don't and then it just gets harder and harder it gets more painful in some ways it gets more happy and then like you reach scenes where you're like almost like bawling your eyes out and you're like i can't how do i keep my eyes open as there's just like tears flooding out it's it's a an incredible piece of storytelling that is super unique and i think highly valuable to play and in in different ways than i could imagine from other genres and Another game that I played in the last year was Outer Wilds. It's, um, in some ways, I, it, a, a movie that I would think about is like um, Interstellar. You feel that kind of vast emptiness in a lot of ways. But to me, Outer Wilds just capitalizes a lot better than that film. Um, and that's like the vastness of the world it's a it's a game that takes place in space in a different galaxy is like an alien but the you've when you're the one making the decisions you you feel that that like emptiness and loneliness is a lot more um, imbued in your own actions there's a very strong sense of tone in this like that that the the way the creators felt about the world and that like to me, it seemed like there's an element that loneliness can be rewarded with beauty and love and happy and like quirky things, but you, loneliness can also leave you longing for companions and companionship. And I, I thought that was an interesting thing to tie back to creativity because creativity can be a lonely pursuit sometimes. And I, I sometimes I'm hesitant to share my ideas. I'm hesitant to be open about them i'm worried about making sure that i actually follow through on things and if i tell too many people maybe i won't then i'll be embarrassed that i didn't and i think there it it, it talks a little it makes me think about the double-edged sword of that how there's things that are valuable to keep to yourself and being creative but also there's huge rewards to reap from expanding your your circle and telling people about things and yeah i i think there's a lot of great like entry level games for people if you want recommendations i can give more there's a a short hike is a fun quaint little game where you just kind of go into this peaceful world with all these like simple missions and i think it was made by one guy it's it's an incredible like four or five hour experience the um if you have a switch on hand um breath of the wild is the game that i have generally settled on is the best game to get into games with like i said with skyrim it's like being a kid again but it's even more open than skyrim and i i think games are probably get a little bit um washed washed over with some hate on certain things but also like 
it can be a very gatekeepy community as well, which is unfortunate. And I think it's nice to have buddies to talk to, but it's definitely, if you have the ability, I think it's worth giving a shot in some different ways, but of course, no pressure. But I think that's, that's kind of all I really wanted to talk about with this episode. I hope me rambling on for close to hour 15 minutes or so is interesting the talking about my creative pursuits and stuff but let me know if you would want to see more of this kind of thing I can try to think of some other topics that I would want to dive into more but or if you have further questions let me know but yeah I I won't hold you any longer thanks for coming by and listening to this I hope you enjoyed but yeah have a have a good day hope try to maybe do something creative if you feel up for it That's what I'm going to try to do. So yeah, thanks a bunch, everyone.